up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pog Talk, the space where we explore POC issues, ideas, and experiences. My name is Brian, aka B. Rye. You see that? I was trying to sound like an NPR host, but that was kind of whack, so sorry about that. Anyway, before we start, I want to say thank you for giving us another hour of your day and joining us on this journey to wokeness. Because that's what this is, man. This is just, this is a journey. We're, that's what we're doing here. We're taking a ride. We're, we're telling stories. We're just asking questions and unpacking things and seeing what happens, seeing what we learned. It's February now, I know, and we were gone for a while. A lot of stuff happened. I hope you all had a lovely holiday season. I hope you got a chance to spend time with your family. I know I did. It was awesome. I had a lot of food over the Thanksgiving break and the Christmas and the New Year's holiday. We recorded a lot of episodes over the break. Uh, you know, even though we weren't actually posting, uh, I got a chance to sit down and talk to a lot of really interesting and inspiring folks. And uh, one of those is Mr. Stephen Cruz. Stephen is somebody that I've known for a long time. We actually went to school together. You know, a couple months ago, I think I want to say over summer or something, he, he put out a campaign, a GoFundMe, to basically raise, I want to say maybe like a couple hundred bucks to buy balls and some shoes to donate to his, uh, the town that his mother grew up in, in El Salvador. You know, after receiving loads of support from his community, just people donating and people saying how else they could get involved, uh, he decided to take the campaign a step further and uh, he founded a nonprofit, which is now AFCHA. Um, he's now 501c3. So, five months later, Stephen, uh, with the support of some folks uh, out in Los Amates, has enrolled 73 students. He's, he's designed uniforms for this soccer academy and has instructors and coaches and and the campaign is still going strong. Like, very proud of this guy for the work that he's doing. And I'm happy to have had the chance to sit down and chat with him about just life and this exciting new venture. Um, you know, I sat down with Steven in December, right before the holidays, right as he was taking off to his first trip to El Salvador. Well, his, his first trip after he founded the Academy. That's what this conversation is. This conversation is Steven's life. Uh, he talks to me about his upbringing, like his, you know, how he grew up a little hood rat. Just kidding. But uh, he does share uh, a lot of very, very personal um, details of his life. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful to have learned uh, a little bit more about him. Like I said, I've known him for a while, but this was a very deep conversation. So, but yeah, and then we learn about the project and what he's been doing, what it took to, 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 you know, to take this project off the ground um, and what he was expecting to uh, experience out there in El Salvador. In the next episode that we're dropping... Uh, you'll hear the follow-up to that conversation. We sat down a couple weeks ago when Stephen uh, got back from his from his trip, and he shares with us his experience out there. That was another very interesting conversation, and uh, I hope that you go after you finish listening to this, uh, you tune into that episode. And but yeah, if you want to support Stephen or if you want to be a part of this amazing project, you can reach him at uh, via Instagram at afchat.es. Or go to the fun, GoFundMe page at GoFundMe.com backslash AFJA2018. That's GoFundMe.com backslash AFJA2018. 
Thanks again, Stephen, for all the work that you're doing, and thank you for dropping by, and thank you all again for tuning in and for still being here after this little hiatus. Glad to be back. All right, here we go. This is episode 14 with Stephen Cruz. This is Pock Talk. Give me another one. I need another one. Cause yeah, you look straight. I'm about to go get a bonita. That's the cool part about living in the hood. There's a liquor store. Yeah, right true. There. I got one around the corner too in a greasy ass Chinese food spot. Freezer. A little <laughs> yeah. Dude, Tragic. That's crazy, dude. Biggest fire. You know what's ironic? <laughs> you want to talk about what's okay, ironic okay, about this whole okay, fire? Okay, and, and, if you... Okay, if can you, you say the same thing that I say, could, well, I'm going to find out. We're on out. the same level. I, I, we might be. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hit it. All the white folks at work. I live what ha- well, in Brentwood. Oh, I live you don't want to live out here with the peasants. You want to live away from the peasants. You want the nice view. There's no fire in the concrete jungle. No, bro. there isn't. <laughs> Unless you start you know, yourself. I, f- I feel bad for the folks out there. I but at the same time. They'll be back. If you can afford to live yeah. up there. It's you'll, wild. you'll be fine. It's wild. It's the yeah. irony, right? Right. It, irony. I've been th- I've been thinking about that since yesterday, which is bad. It's it just terrible. hit me today. It's a terrible way of thinking. I oh. saw some dude, you know, chasing a little rabbit around, trying to save I him from that. the fire. That was sad. That's dope. You know, that's good people that doing stuff like I that. Know, but, but the irony behind that is bad. a little is a little wild. But anyway, man. Thanks for being here. Um, the way we start this shit is just you tell us, take us back to the beginning. How far back you want to go? However, wherever you want to take us. Man. Well, I'm really here to talk about the project mostly, you, man. You will, but we want to know who you are. Want to know people, about me? People want to know who you are. I'm actually a, I don't know, man. I'm a high school dropout, dude. I'm a... What, what does that mean, man? What does people, that mean? So... Yeah, t- take us back. <laughs> let us know. Take us on a journey. All right, all right. That's what this is. Yeah, so I guess we can go back to South Central, right? Like uh, 92nd and Budlong. This little intersection, small intersection in South Central, where uh, my my family kind of established themselves. That's where we kind of where the story begins. That's kind of my earliest memories was the liquor store across the street being on fire uh, during you know the LA riots in '92. You know? Oh, you were, you, yeah, you were yeah, conscious? yeah. I'm kind of a dinosaur. Because I was around, but I wasn't conscious. I, yeah, like, I, I, I was, my mom. That's was, what I'm saying. That's like my earliest memory. I, oh, I was really? born in '89, so oh, that's wow. like my earliest. So you actually remember seeing fire? I remember looking out the window and being for, like everybody forcing us to turn off the lights because they didn't want to draw attention to our house, and us being scared. I remember being scared and looking. Did out you the live window. like on a big street or small street? Uh, Budlong and ninety uh, second. Okay. So it's okay. not a major okay. street. No, it's not a big street, but, but it, it's, it's got high traffic. You know, yeah. LA's a grid, so yeah. people kind of zigzag through, and uh, that's kind of like. What I remember. Yeah, 92nd Street. You were like at the heart of that shit. Yeah. Like, so the Louis Market across the street was on fire. I actually just stopped by there, not to like a couple, like three days ago, I was there. I just, I was driving home from my girlfriend's house. uh, She lives by USC. And I happened to be passing, you know, 94th, 95th. You know, I was like, I'm going to make a right turn. Yeah. You you just want to. And I went. And I went. And and, and just kind of stopped by. You just, just drove past. I actually smoked a blunt in front of my uh, childhood house, oh, right? Shit. And just kind of reflected a little bit on on life for a few minutes. Yo, that's deep. <laughs> that's meaningful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went inside of the liquor store just to get the feel, you know, where I used to go buy now or late now and later or whatever. Uh, so that's Wait, my, why. Why did you smoke a blunt? Why Why did you feel the need to to do it? 
just to get my head right, man. I don't know. Just to it, it was it was the day off, and uh, it was it was an opportunity to to kind of reflect for me and and kind of check in with myself. And uh, yeah, dude, that's that's cool, man. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. So yeah. it took you back. Yeah, so it took me back to to my my upbringing, man, and and it kind of just kind of trying to get in the mindset of of this upcoming trip that I have, and uh, everything that's led up to to these to these moments and these things that were this project that we're putting together. Um, kind of going back and, and seeing where, where I would come from, you know, and, and uh, where, where I've been and, and what, what, what everything that makes, makes who I am now. Um, so from, from 92nd Street and Budlong, we can zigzag over to Inglewood to, you know, elementary school and then uh, where mom had enough uh, money and, and things saved up and resources saved up for us to finally get out of the hood. And we moved to a little place called Downey, right? So you go from, from the heart of South Ooh. Central to, to what, Beverly Hills. exactly to what the LA Times at one time called the uh, Mexican Beverly Hills. Um, and you know, it, it, Downey it was, is nice though. It is nice, but we were we were it was barely Downey. We were like in the corner of Bellflower and like Southgate, but still, right? It was it was not ninety second and Budlong, and. Um, so, yeah, so went to Downey High School, went product of the Downey Unified School District, not the LA Unified School District, but I did go to LA Unified all the way up to, uh, you know, elementary school and, and things like that. And uh, kind of, you know, and Downey is, is when, you know, adolescence kind of hit, uh, different interests peaked and kind of took me in, on different paths of self-discovery and things like that and uh, really found myself um, challenged with a lot of things that I didn't understand that had to do with my identity and, and, and uh, who I am as a person and who I am as a first-generation Latino, first-generation American or whatever. And um, not understanding why I was growing up in, in this suburban area, right? Downey, the Mexican Beverly Hills. Wait, so how old were you when you moved? How, how old did you uh, were? Second, third you, grade. Third okay, grade. Oh, third grade. Okay, yeah. so you were, okay. So you, Between second you and third grade. You already had friends at, at, at school. Yeah, school I already had, you know, I, I was at the elementary school next to Morningside High School in, in, in Inglewood. Um, had, had you know, my friends and everything and, and got taken to this this new world or whatever out, out in Downey, which, you know, I'm appreciative of, of, my, of my upbringing and these decisions that my mom made, but we're all products of, of our experiences and our upbringing, right? So, um while at, at, at Downey, I quickly found myself kind of surrounded by the cookie cutter t- kind of home. You know, everybody was mom, dad, all that. And I was, you know, the youngest of, of three brothers that uh, my mom raised all on her own. And, and she's never at the house because she's always working so that we can be so in Downey. Pay the rent. You know, so she could pay Downey money or whatever. She just buy a house. And like I said, Downey is in Beverly Hills. It's just not. It's just nice. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a little level up or yeah. whatever, right? And then there's green. The grass is, the grass is yeah, cut. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and, and just kind of re- started to rebel, uh, uh, try to rebel outside of that, and, and develop mentally as an adolescent. Why do you think you rebelled? I think the lack of uh, understanding, like frustrations with with everybody around you getting the support and the conversations about college and what's going to happen next, and you having all these insecurities and no no real ending to. It's just like you just go to school because vas a ir a la escuela, you know, a huevo. Because like, you, you gotta do it. You gotta do but it. But you know, you're never really told why you're going to to school. And simple little things like that, those types of conversations, I didn't really have anybody to have that with. You know, so my, why did you think you were going to school? Um, I, it was just what they did on the Disney Channel or whatever. You know what they did on TV, you know? Uh, uh, the Simpsons were going to school. Right. It's, it's the American thing or whatever. You go to school the, and, and when you're around... But did you think you were going to like... Did you think you were going to go to 
some, there was going to be something. I really, after. What I did really, you expect to be after? Did I you really know? did not did not think that I was going to go into college. I thought I was going to go into a trade or into the military. My brother is a Marine Corps uh, veteran, and I saw how much success and how much honor and and a lot of people respected him, and and I sought that. You know, as I think as young Latino males, one of the first things we're thirsty for. Pause. Yeah. Is respect, right? So it's not what you thought I was going to say, but that's secondary. <laughs> um, but as young Latino, <laughs> as uh, as as young Latino males, like that's that's kind of what you 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 know you, you look up to people. It's like a machismo thing or whatever that you know you have to. Everybody has to respect you and you you know whatever, right? So with him being in in the Marine Corps, I I, I really looked up to him a lot, you know, and and I think a lot of people around me did too. So. Um, yeah, so the whole college conversation never happened, right? So that was not very good an option for you. Yeah, yeah, it was just not really a thing. Um, the support wasn't really there. So, not to make drag this along too much, but uh, drag it, it on, man. Fuck it, it's cool. <laughs> right around the age of of like eighteen years old, it was it was me and my mom in, in this house in Downey, and she's you know struggling to, to to make ends meet, and we're both working. I was working. My first job was at a meat market, you know, with, while you were in doing produce. School? Yeah, yeah. I worked, you know, worked there, worked at Disneyland, worked all kinds of stuff. You know, I started working when I was 15, you know, and, and had, a, had a car before my mom even knew I had a car. Before I even had a permit around 14, I bought myself a car. I sold my drum set, bought a $350, like, Kia Cephia. What's up? Put together with, like, Honda parts. It was really, it, yeah, like a Flintstone car. But um, that was, like, freedom, you know? And, and I remember, like, okay, like, I can earn my own money. This is my money. You can't tell me nothing, you know? And, and started to go just adolescence man and and i i really you know i i don't i i can't say anything but i i feel sometimes apologetic towards my mom and kind of the things that i put her through but i i'm also grateful for my experiences and, and who i am because if i hadn't you know done what i needed to do at that at that age maybe that kind of development would have happened later in life and would have been a lot more catastrophic um but just got into a lot of like graffiti and and you know just a little hood rat. Exactly. Being a little hood rat. Doing hood rat things with my hood rat friends. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, turn, turn, when I was around 18, my mom was like, you know what? You're 18. My job is done. I'm tired. I raised two older boys already. I'm done. She's like, I want to sell this house and go retire to El Salvador, you know? And, and You're the youngest. Yeah, I'm the youngest. Okay. And she's like, How many did you say? Uh, of three. Three. And I have two other uh, half-brothers, so I'm the youngest of five. On your mom's side or on your uh, side? From my mom, it's two, and my dad's two. So okay, I'm the youngest of five. It, got it. And um, basically, yeah. So that's, that's uh, this is where, it, this is the big segue, right? This is where it really, a, a real big pivot happens. Um, she's, she's saying, hey, like, I'm selling the house. You still have another semester of high school left. But you're about to be 18. This is around November, Christmas time. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was I'm dipping. I'm, I'm tired. And I could, I can completely understand that. She's like, you have two options. You can come with me. You can finish high school over there, get a university job. Uh, you know, when over there, university is like the conversation. Yeah. La universidad. But for some reason here, it's not. In El Salvador? Yeah. Really? Like here, it, it just, it was just not, I really do not remember ever having a conversation about college as a kid or teenager with my parents. And Did your mom go to school? Uh, yeah, she went uh, to school in El Salvador all the way to high school. Okay. And um, completed her high school when she got here in the 70s and 80s. Oh, okay. Damn. So, okay. Um, but it was, you know, work. You know, it, it's, you need to pay and pay, pay for rent and food and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, she goes, um, she says, you have two choices. You can come with me to El Salvador or you can stay here and kind of make it on your own. She's like, I did it. Kind of challenged me. 
And that was the that I very vividly. What do you think remember. she wanted? What do you think? I she think wanted she wanted me to stay. She wanted me to grind and and make. But it. then, what realistically would you have left? I can't say I didn't consider it. I can't say I wasn't curious about it because I was so familiar with it. It wasn't so foreign to me. It wasn't like I had never been there before. I had the very big privilege of going there as early as six months, and almost every summer in elementary and middle school up into high school. Because come summertime, mom still was working around the clock and she wasn't going to let me just stay home. But it wasn't YMCA camp or anything like that. It was like you get one, pl- one plane ticket there and back. You, get, you, get, you take off in June, you come back in August. Right. <laughs> and it's summer camp in El Salvador, where, where, where she's from in, in the countryside and, and kind of experience what it's like to wake up in the morning and take a shower with cold a cold-ass bucket of water. Yeah. You know, well, y'all don't have showers. Oh no, we don't even have no, it's like right. But it's like it's like one one day out of the week. Um, it's running water. You know that that water drops and things like that. All these like like reality hits you real quick. You know, especially when you're, you're you recognize your privilege. Yes, instantly. Yes, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Very, and, and and fortunately, from six months old all the way through till about maybe fifteen, sixteen. I was going there every summer to, to, to kind of experience that life. So you knew what home was going to be. You knew, yeah. like, if, if I yeah. go, like, this is going to, that month, it's going to be year-round. Yeah. And, and I can't say I didn't consider it, but I knew, and you know, I knew in my gut that I was going to stay here. I, I was born What do you think would have been the benefits here. of you staying out there? If, you me flying over yeah. there? I, I don't know. There's, there's been so like, many. Why, why did you consider it? I think just being afraid to not have that safety net, you know, and, and, and just being still very young and, and, and uh, vulnerable and not having a house. Like, I, I, we're talking, like, I'm selling the house. Bye. <laughs> you know, like... I, selling the house, ball out it. Yeah, like, we weren't on the best terms at the time. You know, it was, it was understandable. She was done. She was... And I can understand why. You know, I'd be done too. And I'm very glad that she was because I chose to stay. You know, I was like, I, this is where I was born. This is what I know. I, I can do this, you know? And, and I had my little car, and I remember sleeping on friends' couches. How long did that Kia Sophia last you? Oh, the Kia Sophia was done in, like, a year and a half, oh. bro. That, that, that was, that's a story for another day. It's like the brave little toaster. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, dude, um, I chose to stay couch surfing, you know, 18-year-old, working at Disneyland, and... Uh, I was just, you know, just trying to make it, right? And I remember I had a, a like an eye appointment or something at Kaiser and I'm walking out and I see a job board and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to apply. So I applied, uh, didn't hear anything back and I realized I didn't hear anything back because I didn't have a high school diploma. You know, at 18, I signed myself out of high school. I signed so I could work full time, you know, and, and not have to worry about school. So I dropped out. And Did you finish the semester? Or? No, I didn't. I dropped out of high school. I'm out. Yeah, and um, went and got my GED started working and got picked up at Kaiser in an x-ray library, you know, these big warehouses with x-ray jackets from patients from like 1932 that have these lots, these thick records of, of x-rays. And uh, just my headphones on, listening to hip hop and filing x-rays. And I was like, hey man, I, this is, this is going to be, this is it, you know? And at 18, I was like, man, this, this sucks, <laughs> you know? Like what, what's going on? And I remember having a conversation with a doctor, a radiologist, Dr. Mountain, who she saw me, you know, day in and day out. She's like, hey, it's like... Tw- Wait, how long did you work there? Uh, Kaiser was like, I got, I, I had a conversation with her maybe four or five months into working at Kaiser. And she's like, hey, uh, I see you here all the time. She's like, when do you go to school? You know, and I'm just like, oh, I'm not in school. She's like, how old are you? You know, I was like, I, you know, 18. 
She's like, you, you're, don't, you're not in high school. You're not in college. I'm like, told her the story. And uh, she's like, we, you know, kind of became friends, chopped it up continuously over, over the course of a few weeks. And uh, she would, and we'd have engaging conversations over lunch and things like that. And she's like, you know what? If you want to go to school, I'll help you. She's like, I'll pay for your first semester's set of books. If you, if you, if you go to school, I'll pay for the books for your first semester. And I was, I was, you know, I, I didn't really say anything at first. She's like, just think about it. Because you didn't know how much right, it right. cost. <laughs> just forgot about it. And then, like, I don't know. I just, I, something hit me. I just decided to go online. And, I, and I'm like, you know, let me, let me see what, what kind of college, what is college? Like, how do you even, what is this conversation about college? Like, I don't even know about financial aid. I don't know about college applications. And this is in 2000, what is it, 2009, 2010, around there, that I'm just having this conversation. And, it's, and, and that's how far removed me and my family were from any access to, to information on college and things like that. And this is at Downey Unified, right? Yeah. Uh, Wait, so quick question. Your, your school in Downey, what was the demographic? It was changing. And that's, what, that, that's, that's something interesting. When I, I remember when I first got to Downey Unified, around third, fourth grade, majority white population. As you grew up, as, by the time I was in sixth grade, it was brown, black, and white, and more and more so into high school. And... You know, so you started to hear about fake addresses being used from people in the surrounding communities like Linwood, Compton, uh, Paramount, so that they could go to Downey Unified schools. They would use fake addresses. And it was like this contentious thing. And I even got accused of using a fake address for being, you know, one of the brown kids. And I was like, no, I, I actually live in the district. You know? <laughs> that's, my, that's my house. Um, that's my actual house. But, you know, the, the whole thing with Downey Unified, I, I've, I've kind of, it's kind of come to terms with the whole thing. Um, but... Dr. Mountain, right? She's like, I'll pay for your first semester set of books. And uh, we, we went with it. I ultimately decided to, to uh, enroll in at, at Rio Hondo Studies. I mean, at Rio, at Rio Hondo College in uh, Chicano Latino Studies. And the reason, only reason I ended up doing that was because that was the only class that was open. And I was uh, Chicano Studies oh, okay. 148. And it was uh, the history of Mexican-Americans from 1848 to now. You know, since the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe, that was my first college court. That was my first exposure. And uh, long story short, um, I, I walked into that class not knowing what. I'm like, okay, here we go. To me, school was school. exactly like this. This very structured. Reference you had, or the only like right, you could right, really right. Think It was like this very structured setting where people talk at you and you and it was Professor Juana Mora, right? Juana Mora, awesome, awesome professor, articulate and just tremendously efficient at communicating this knowledge, this information, this knowledge that I had never, ever heard about, you know, issues with identity and, and social, you know, social economic justice uh, topics and, and things that I just had not, had not ever experienced. And, and I started to connect and, and, and associate my upbringing and, and the conditions that surrounded my experience with textbook documentation of how historically this has been implemented. It's fucking real. Like, you're not right, the first right. person to go through this. It, it's you the first relate. time that I'm like, holy shit, I'm not making this up. The, you know, it is stacked against you. Or, or, or you know, it, it, there is that disadvantage. It does exist. And not to victimize yourself, but to empower yourself so that you can outmaneuver it, right. you know, and, and, and see it before it comes yeah. and know why it happens and, and, and teach others, like, how to not curl up in a ball and, and not, but how to rise above it, right? The best tool you can have against your enemy is to know your enemy. 
you know, and know what they're... Dr. Juan Amaro was <laughs> fucking woke as fuck, dude. Man, you have no idea how, how... Yeah, no, she really did. And she knows that. And I give her props any chance I get. Amazing, amazing professor. But anyway... So that um, was one semester. That was my first semester. That was my first experience with, with, you know, higher education and, and knowledge. And I'm just like, what? You know, like, this is... I was so into it, man. I was so into you found my readings. Value. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and that transcended over into my other studies, you know, into biology. Because I really like botany for obvious reasons. I, I you know, LA what? kid. Exactly. But no, I, I really wanted to study botany. I really wanted to learn about how to grow plants and, 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 and food and the production of food and things like that. And because of my experience in El Salvador, seen a lot of, you know, been around a lot of crops and things like that. I'm like, hey, maybe one day when I'm an old man, I'll have a farm or something like that. And, and that was my, my outlook. But the empowerment that I got in Chicano Latino studies at Rio Hondo College really, really carried me throughout my whole college experience, even through USC. Um, because it's 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 like you you deserve to be there. You know you you have experiences and 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 documentation of of real people that have done it before you, and why can't you? You know. So anyway, um, navigated through community college uh, two years. Rio is a good school though. It's like it's, it's like one of the better. Like, yeah, it's one of the colleges. better uh, community colleges in the area. I you know jokingly we call it the Harvard on the Hill because oh, okay. it's you know <laughs> it's it's out there in the little Whittier Hills. I went to Elko. 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 Yeah, that's nah, just yeah. tight though. I love Elko. Roadrunner gang. All really? Day. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, man. No, Elko was tight. I'm nah. for that. All my teachers there too. Yeah, I mean, I just I really I really 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 fucked with Rio Hondo College. It was really cool. Um, I, I remember you used to rep it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I still to this day I say if I could have gotten a bachelor's degree there, I probably would have never left because I was having so much success and so much it had such a positive impact on my life that it was really cool, you know, to to be an alum from there. Um, and a lot of other Latinos have come out of there and, and, and prospered and, and spread out to to, uh, to other areas of the country. So navigated community college uh, in a span of two years, applied to four-year universities. Uh, USC was the first school I applied to because growing up on 92nd and Budlong, not too far from there, the closest university is USC and Exposition Park and the Coliseum. You know, if if, if you want to have a Sunday afternoon with your family, you go to La Parque de las Rosas right there right. by the the you know and pictures. You go buy it. You go eat esquite and, and <laughs> you know buy one of those little inflatable animals that you really want, and then and just, then eat outside on the on the stairs of yeah, the museum. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what a typical Sunday afternoon was for for our family, and that was like recreation. Um, beautiful. I love that. You know, and and USC was a, a always there. You know, it felt like the oxygen was nicer when you. Across the gates, you know, I was like, man, this is really cool. This is beautiful, you know, and, and uh, that's the first school that I applied to. I applied to Berkeley, UCLA, uh, a bunch of Cal States and things like that and got into all of them, but USC hadn't sent me my acceptance, acceptance letter. So I was set to go to Cal, set to go to Cal Berkeley, um, had an apartment, class, you know, I had already met with the counselor and everything was already set up with what classes I was going to pick up. And on one of the flights back from Berkeley, I remember just flying th- from like across downtown LA, you know, flying up the 110 towards the airport. I'm just like, man, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And passing USC, <laughs> passing USC and thinking like, man, I didn't get, I didn't get into USC. I haven't heard from them. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just got home into the mailbox. Boom, big cardinal envelope. They really know how to let you know. They know. They do. Like they, they really, that's a no. Right. I've gotten both. Yeah, <laughs> you get you get the big parcel, the you big know, that cardinal. Like eight bucks to send. Yeah, that shit's heavy. 
But anyway, I was really happy, man. I was really ecstatic. I, I remember just feeling relief because it really went in a matter of four you years. What I like about SC is that they also give you the option, like, of they tell you how to, uh, like, resend your 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 acceptance to other schools. Like, they tell you, you already accepted. Oh, really? This is how you... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that was a really hard thing to do is to tell Berkeley no because everybody was like, what are you doing? This is, like, the biggest mistake of your life, you know? And it's like, no, you know? I, I, this, I, I just went with my gut and I went with what I wanted and what I needed and felt was best for me. And... Um, so yeah, I got the big, big ass envelope right in the mail, and I'm just really ecstatic about the whole thing. And then I'm instantly filled with doubt and uncertainty about myself, right? Because I'm like, holy shit, I got into USC like three years ago, I was sleeping on a couch, high school dropout. And am I really ready? I'm gonna be a biology major with a minor in uh, entrepreneurship. What? <laughs> and I, I, you know, it was another moment of reflection and the blunt was involved, obviously, but... Um, was it in front of... What's the store? At Louis Market? Was it no, Louis Liquor? No, no, no. This time it was uh, out in Linwood with the water tower. You know how there's water towers all through Linwood. But anyway, um, yeah, dude. Instant, instant fear and doubt about about my abilities at, at USC. Uh, but It's we, real, dude. Yeah. Yeah, especially man. as a transfer student, because yeah, you go in, you totally do. You go in as a junior, especially because you, especially if you're running shit like at, at your school, like if you, like <laughs> if you're, if you got involved, yeah. at, you know, yeah. in your in your small pond, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, if you're a big fish and you were getting involved, you're fucking USG or whatever the fuck you got, <laughs> you know. And, the, and yeah. then you come to a senior, like okay, who the fuck, right, 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 right. Okay, who the not fuck not just I? not just is it academically a huge adjustment, right? Just uh, the, the the level of expectation. It's like, they don't understand if you're, you're possibly a parent because there's a lot of, you know, or, or, or possibly working full-time or, or, you know, anything, a caretaker, anything like that. At USC, you're a student. Yeah. And you're, just, you're surrounded you're just, by people who are put in the best position to be just that and given the resources to, uh, to excel to the best of their ability to just do one job, to be a student. Mm-hmm. They've been, they've been prepared. They just, they've been there the whole lives. Like they, and there's people that I remember. I, I remember there was a there was a time that I had this conversation with this girl who was like, "I feel like I'm not being challenged here in these classes that I'm taking." I'm like, what? I'm fucking struggling. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what? I'm trying yeah. to get there are see. some there are some very bright minds at that university, all the universities across the country, and to come out of where I come from, you know, from across the street from Louis Liquor, from single mom home in Southeast Downey, to a couch out in Southgate, you know, and, and then a community college in, in Rio Hondo or in Whittier to now at SC with a prestigious kind of faculty and, and all that, all that stuff that comes along with, with SC, right? And, uh, but we went with it, man. We, we dove right in. You got to roll with it. Uh, it's too late. Ya te metiste. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're walking down, what is that? Um, Truesdale. You're walking down Truesdale and you're like, holy crap, I am really the only brown person here that isn't working here, you know, that isn't facilities or something like that, or or possibly staff. I don't know, man. Um, it was it was honestly honestly another time of adjustment, another time of like, oh man, like starting over again. Here we go again. Yeah, because like you said, being hella involved at, at Rio, 90 percent Latino population. <coughs> we had a club called uh, the Association of Latino American Students that used to go down to the border and throw uh, events for Dia de los Niños. We would collect toys and drive to the border in the, in the, in the Rio Hondo vans, 
to San Diego and partnered up with um, Border Angels, this organization from San Diego that goes out to the desert and puts water and the trails of the migrants that are, are crossing oh, over. I, I've heard of that. Um, That's really cool. You did that? Yeah, so we did that with Enrique Morones of Border Angels. That's cool, um, man. And um, A lot of people are involved with they that. Opened the, they opened the border door. On, on That was the first time. There's this big door in Friendship Park in, in, on the border of Tijuana and uh, Otay, I think it is, or, or San Diego. And there's a big, big door, like maybe 13-foot door, metal door, in, in the wall. Right, and on one side is Tijuana, and on one side is like the beach for for San Diego County. Um, and they set up an event where uh, they worked with immigration to allow for the event. There was like news cameras. The mayor of San Diego was there, and they opened the door to allow the daughter of an immigrant man from this side hug his daughter for the first time um, through the door. And we and we were there to witness that shit, dude. Like we were, you know, it, it was just like boom, you know, like. Of energy and just you know just like experiencing that hands on you're there at the border where they're opening like the symbolism behind that was so deep that shit's real as fuck so and it was also probably good made headlines and it was it was you know made the made the mayor look good yeah Professor Juana Mora man (laughs) she was the advisor we just we we rolled with it man and I've always wanted like to be involved with organizing things like that organizing people to do things like that right and 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 kind of help our own people work through this and not not victimize yourself but but get smart about it and, and outmaneuver it. So you got to SC and this new experience and and how how did you manage that? How did you navigate that space? Mm, I think it was really important for me to or how did you when what tools did you think did you did you use? Because it's just like you, there's tons of other people yeah. that are the same way. And yeah. you know, one of the things like I, I remember when you like I, I told you, like I understand like the experience of a transfer student. I remember when you first started, I was like, you know, there's a lot of people that are, like us, like a lot of transfer students that don't want to get involved, you know, because they're just like, Okay, I'm just here, you know, everyone's been here for a while and I'm just here just because I've you know just I, get I, dropped I, in. Yeah, you know, I just got dropped in. You know, and a lot of people don't get involved because they just don't feel like they're just they feel like they're just there to do the work and then leave, you know, and, it, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to get actually involved, you know, or it's hard to actually make feel like you're home, like you belong. I mean, you don't have to talk about the frat, but besides that, like how, how what, 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 uh, how did you, when did you realize like, okay, this is my space and like I belong here. I mean, stuff. I think, I think it really did have a really big factor in my adjustment at USC. I think the fraternity really did have a huge, huge uh, factor in, in my overall happiness in my first semester um, at, at USC just because I, I really, I think I'm not the only one, but my personal experience was felt really out of place and I really felt like I had made the wrong decision. You know, I was walking around. I'm like, man, this sucks, dude. Like, nobody, like, here that you can I- associate with, especially, I think, in, in, in the STEM field, right? The STEM track um, bio classes are all, you know, hyper-focused white kids <laughs> and, and, and Asian kids. And, and to be very frank, international kids. Um, you're, like, one of three Latinos, and you instantly want to go say what's up. And I uh, support groups like that were, were a huge factor in, in my ability to transition and transfer effectively. Yeah. You definitely have to, like, open yourself up to, mm-hmm. you know, other communities and find. Like, I feel like you can always find it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so how do we get here? How do we get to what we we're got doing to now? SC, so how did we get here? So we got to SC. 
we had a lot of success at SC. You did. You did get a lot of success. We had man. a lot of fun. You did. You had a lot of fun too. A lot of great, great uh, memories for me at USC and, and knowledge that I will carry with me forever. Uh, part of that was um, the education I got at the Marshall School of Business, right? Um, as a entrepreneurship minor from the Lloyd Grafe Center for Entrepreneurship. It's uh, entrepreneurial studies, excuse me. Let me say that again. The Lloyd Grafe Center for Entrepreneurial Studies at USC um, played a, a really big role in in, in my uh, ability to kind of set this project forward, right? It's a nonprofit organization, but it's still run like a business. It's still ran like an organization. So the, the, so the project is a youth soccer academy in El Salvador. It's called La Academia de Fútbol Juvenil Amatense. Uh, called, mouthful. Yeah. Say it in English. Youth Soccer Academy of Los Amates or okay. of people cool. from Los Amates. Uh, Amatense is the name of the people from Los Amates, the so community. Like America, America, America. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's, it's the name of the... Um, the community that we're doing the project for, we have about. 50. Is that that's, is that where your mom's from? Yeah, so she was okay, she was actually so, born oh, in this right. in, in this community. Wait, and, is your mom still there? No, she travels back and forth. Oh, freely. Okay. Wait, she, where, where's home for your mom? I would say half year here and half year over there, oh, but okay. mostly over there. I think she's already set up everything over there. She just comes here to kind of hustle and and collect checks and bounces back. She set her she set up herself very nicely. Take me through the. The process of you beginning this. What what inspired you? And, okay. And where where how do we get? Yeah. How do we get incorporated? So the idea was inspired just from social media. I remember around 2016. Before 2016, I I wanted to take a break from social media. I, I knew that it was going to be an election you had year. To, bro, that, if there was any time that you were going to take it a was, break from it social was, media, it was going to be yeah. the end of 2016. I I remember in 2015, I made the conscious decision of of deactivating my Facebook. And I, I knew it was going to be a... Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know that it was going to be that crazy. I just didn't want the noise because I was... I had... You had other shit going on. Right. I just didn't want to. It's, 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 that's going on. So it, it was inspired by social media and how fucked up it was and, and, and the looming 20, 2016 election. So I, I deactivated my Facebook and started talking to my friends on, on, on our group chat and you know, my, my, bros on, uh, my brothers on, on our group chat just talking about how GoFundMe pages and these crowdfunding pages were being used for personal gain. There are genuinely people out there, right, that you know, could need help with, with things like that for, for personal reasons. But when I see help me pay for my new pair of Yeezys, just because I really have seen crowdfunding for that, I'm just thinking... Did you ever see the one about the, about the um, help me make my first potato salad? No. That shit made over 100K, yeah. bro. I guess don't be mad or don't knock their hustle or whatever. I, just, I, mean, I, I guess just, we can't hate, right? Somebody, like, was, somebody was down for it. I was so. inspired by it, to be honest. So that's where I'm going with it. I was inspired by it, but I was like, I'm not going to do it for personal gain. I want to do something bigger. you know. And soccer, I just remember, like I said, I've been going to El Salvador since I was six months. And every summer, it was soccer. And if it was a World Cup year, it was really about soccer. Every, everything just shuts down. And everything just everything is no 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 shot. Everything has a TV and watching the game. And it was 1998. It was the France uh, Brazil final, and it was just the most powerful thing that I had ever seen with sports. Everybody was about soccer that that whole summer, and I just so happened to have taken two soccer balls that summer that my brother had given me. He gave me two soccer balls and said, "Hey, you know, take these with you when you go to El Salvador." And it was honestly one of the best things he could have done because 
all like we had a squad that everybody just rolled to the field, you know. Dude, that's how it is. When my parents used, to, when we used to go, when we used to, when we were when I was younger too. Uh, we don't go anymore, but when we used to go, like my dad would always go to downtown, buy a bunch of soccer balls and buy a bunch of soccer cleats. Yeah, and like give them out to people. Yeah, just that was just a it's thing. a it's a beautiful game, man, and it's loved, you know. And it's like it doesn't really matter how old you are, how big or small you are, you can play. It's it's fun, and it brings people together. So, um, 1998, you know, the, the it was the summer of soccer. Everything is 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 revolving around that that World Cup final, and. Um, we just used to play a lot of, of soccer down there, man. And, and there's a community field already that has been donated to them for, for the purpose of recreation, but they don't have any equipment. Um, on one of my visits down there, I went to the local school. It's one teacher for a total of 50-plus students, K through 6th grade. And it's one teacher that bounces from one classroom to the next and has to kind of maintain that whole thing. Yep, that's how it is. We showed up and, and started having conversations with her about, you know, what they do for recreation or is there PE or, or what do they do outside or for vacation or anything like that. And um, she uh, said, you want to see what, what we have for recreation? You want to see our, our equipment? She said, hold on. She comes out with a ball. And it's a soccer, what looks to be like it used to be a soccer ball before all the leather and everything is off of it. It's just the remains. It's just a gray. The only thing that's keeping the air. It's just a gray there. sphere, you know. Um, and I'm like, okay, hold on, you know. So we, we go back to to my my mom's place. We grab two soccer balls, take them, and it's a beautiful, beautiful moment that I tried editing piece together on myself on iMovie. I'm not a, a video editor, but you know, I, I just put it together in like a span of eight hours on a rented laptop uh, with the footage that I have, um, and it really started to take off. Once people saw that visual on the GoFundMe page, once people connected, like, saw the kids' faces, they were like, okay, like, he's actually going to pull through. It's not going to just me donate 20 bucks and never see it. What was your goal? My goal, initial goal is $500. And my initial goal was a duffel bag full of soccer balls and whatever I could find. That was the initial goal. And then I saw how quickly people were asking about it and how how it started to have an impact on, on different people in my life, right? right. And then that, I feel like, well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, we went to El Salvador. We, we had the moment with the soccer balls at the school. We, we explained to them that we have the ability to bring a soccer academy to them if they are willing to cooperate, cooperate that it's going to be free. It's going to be 100% free, but there are going to be requirements, academic requirements and a civic project that they have to develop from the ground up and execute, and we'll be there to support it. The whole idea is for them to own their space, for them to start owning their their canton, their community, their community of you know sixty houses tops, and there's these cantones throughout the northern part of El Salvador, throughout El Salvador. All it, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of cantones on the countryside, and they can be easily um, controlled by by a local gang or, or controlled by corruption, yeah, corrupt officials. It's just people um, people living and somebody else just comes up and then says And we, we have a genuine we have a genuine opportunity to to help this community from the ground up, starting with the kids. Um, so that's kind of the big picture thing. We started with with that goal and, and uh, we're have a exceeded our, our fifteen hundred dollar milestone uh, just tonight, actually. So you went to 500. You went to, you, we you went in increments 500. of 500. You know, increments of 500. All the while, also connecting with people. We were st- starting to get 
attention from soccer clubs and soccer organizations like youth youth soccer organizations like AYSO and um, Strikers FC North, Explosion Soccer Club in Whittier. Explosion Soccer Club is actually my nephew's soccer club. My nephew Eric is 10 years old, right? Uh, I was like, Eric, I want to show you something. I want to show you this video, the four-minute video that we have up on the GoFundMe campaign. And I was like, it's about soccer. So he was, he was, he was like, all right. I, he watched it. It didn't say anything. goes into his room. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't you know, think anything of it. And he starts to come out with cleats. So <clears throat> my nephew Eric's been playing soccer since he was five. And he's had been collecting cleats and equipment since then. And just from watching the video, he consciously just went to his room and started pulling out all the uh, old equipment that he had. And he's just like, I want to donate it to the kids. He's like, this stuff is just in my closet. Your 10-year-old your ten-year-old ten-year-old nephew. nephew. And that's one kid. And then you start to think, how big is youth soccer in the United States? You start to think, how many more kids like Eric can you impact, right? Like, can you ex- have, ha- give them a window to see what's on the other side? Because Eric is also of Salvadoran descent, right? right? He's just second generation. He needs that window to see who he is so that when he grows up, his identity yeah. is, is intertwined with, with where he's from. And that provides a window. And there's a lot of Eric's. And I'm, that's the, the big picture, right? To be able to connect the kids from here with the kids over there so that they can potentially grow up and develop playing soccer and maybe hopefully competing against each other. Maybe one day we have the ability to bring the team from over there to come play over here at, at the complexes here. And oh, have, wouldn't that know. be nice? Uh, so those, those are the bigger, side. those are like the next step right. things. Right, those, those, those big goals. Um, those are the like long-term goals. So where do you, where do you want to take this? Where, where is this? Is this tell, what other partnerships have you made? Who, uh, what other, uh, have you reached out to any other organizations? Yeah, so we've, we've had a lot of success, man. I'm, I'm, it's been very organic and I've just, I, I don't want it to be about me at all. I want to just be the facilitator to, to take it where it's already going. It's, it's, it's got a lot of positive energy behind it just because it's about kids and it's about helping people. And, and I think a lot of people trust me to go through with it and I'm leaving on Thursday. <laughs> so it's, it it's getting real, man. It's getting that's, real. That's, that's great, man. Yeah, so the other organizations that we've partnered with, uh, I, I can't really say we've fully partnered with yet, right? I, I, I want to be careful with that mm-hmm. line. But um, uh, thanks to my, my brother Juan Soto. Big shout out to him. He works for the city of, of Portland. Um, he got me a, a contact at a, at a big uh, potential partner uh, out in Oregon that I'm very, very excited about. They're, big, um, they're pretty big in the sports world. It's 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 very very green. It's 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 very very uh, hopefully, but other th- other than than that, um, you know, AYSO uh, Region seventy six here in Beverly Hills, uh, AYSO, it, you know, is American Youth Soccer Organization. If you don't know AYSO, it's 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 big. You know, it's kids as young as five. All the way, I think to fifteen is is the the age that they um, and these are, these are like the feeder organizations, exactly, right? Into the, exactly. The, so the, the if we can get into into contact with AYSO and, and solidify something with them, I think that would be huge because that's, that's the, dope, the connection man. to all the what, other what kids. What is the how's the how's the the what is what is that how's that space right now? Like how's the youth soccer out in? Is there an or, is in, it in El Salvador? Is it El Salvador? Is yeah, it organized? yeah, is that yeah. A, there is, thing? there is organized youth soccer. There's just not organized youth soccer out here in the countryside in Canton. Oh, okay. You okay. know, like we're talking about kids. Sam, damn. So, like, so we're talking like in five years, we might have a like a 
like a like a like a cruise uh, football club <laughs> type thing. I mean, I'm not saying Club de Cuervos, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think we're missing we're missing how uh, how separate how like disadvantaged some of these kids are, how separated they are from the the smallest resources. Um, there's this there, just to give a, a testimony or anecdote of one kid. Uh, Juan Diego, right? Juan Diego, I believe, is eight, eight years old. Um, his father collects trash for a living and sells it for, you know, recycles and, and recyclables and things like that. His mom sells f- uh, vegetables and fruits that weren't sold the previous day at the market. She tries to sell them out of uh, a bucket um, on the side of the street for, for whatever she can. Like, we're talking people that are very, very, very poor, very, very disadvantaged. And just have no access, let alone access to anything that is going to bring joy to, to you know, in, in, from the form of recreational soccer or anything like that. Um, Juan Diego is, 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 very, is a very special story, right? Because his mom said that she didn't want to let him play, right? Because he's, he's got to work already. He's, you know, he's got to shine. He's, he's he's, a, there he's are gotta, other priorities. He's got to hustle. There's, a, there's other things that are, that are more important. Yeah. And basically... Uh, what he did is he he got home after he learned about the project, cleaned the whole house for a few days because they were telling him no, no, no. He like went all out, you know, and and uh, up, got on the good graces of his parents. His mom filled out the form and personally walked it over to uh, my cousin's house, who's administrating the the, the program, uh, and told her told them that she wasn't going to let him play, but that the program was already having a positive impact on her son's behavior. And he hasn't even started yet. You know, and, and he shows up with the only pair of shoes that he has. And it's uh, these black dress shoes. You know, and, and he's like these heavy black dress shoes that he's, he's playing with. And very excited little kid, you know, out there just learning soccer. Uh, we're going to get to who the coach is in a second. Um, and his laces snap. And he starts to get very, you know, emotional and things like that because he knows that those are the only pair of shoes he has. His parents already told him not to, you know, do this. And now he's, like, wrecked his only pair of shoes. Um, so what the team did is they, they got him the only laces that they had available at the time so that he could go home. And, but he wanted to keep playing soccer. Um, they were um, pink laces. There were these pink shoelaces that, that they had. And he was out there playing in dress shoes with pink laces. But he didn't care because he just had, a, like, a real ball to play with. So that's like the level of impact that like, and it's like, it's not, it's, it's again, it's not even about like, I, I don't want it to be about me at all. It's about like that, like just being able to connect a resource to a need and just seeing it happen is, is so crazy. It's so cool. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Because I remember when I was, when I, when I used to go out there, I, used to, I, I don't fucking play sports anymore. But when I did, like when I was little and shit, like I remember my cousin's. They used to play. They used to slip their 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 ginas, their chanclas. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. In the in the, that if you whoever's playing goalie, they would put the <laughs> shoes on their hands. That's how they would. Because yeah. if a ball hits you on the hand, yeah. that shit hurts like a bitch. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. yeah. So so that's the level of of impact that we're having on on the individual level at the micro level. Because everybody was like, "Oh, you can't change the world with the GoFundMe page. What are you doing, dude? Like, are you serious? You're really gonna do a soccer? What are you like? You didn't even play soccer, dude. You played baseball. You know, you played football." You know, you suck at soccer. <laughs> uh, but 
it's like I said, it's not about me, man. It's not me imposing my will on anybody and being like, I have the solution to everything. All I'm doing is getting soccer equipment and supplies for kids and organizing them at in on their in their own space, making them owners of their own space and empowering them through through connecting them through soccer. So so what is the future? What should be we be expecting next? I don't know, six to 12 months. Six to 12 months. I mean, uh, we just got our 501c3, which I'm really excited about. And um, that is going to open up so many more avenues for us for as far as donations and fundings and grants and things like that. Um, but really, it's just the kids training the kids and, and, and letting them really develop in, into, into loving the sport, not just for fun, but having like, some kind of connection to it so that it, it kind of helps is alongside their their upbringing and, and their their navigation through adolescence and, and there's a lot of things that come from soccer there's a lot of there's a dis- uh, there's discipline yes there's a lot there, of responsibility there's, there's and responsibility, respect and teamwork fun, yeah. and, and 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 discipline and all those great things that come from from sports you know i think i i just remember my own access that i had to to baseball and little league and, and pop warner and and football and things like that and uh it was fun, you know. It, it was it was it was gr- really good lessons learned in organized sport. Everything from karate to anything like that. But it's it's a it's the the issue revolves around access. They don't have access to to that type of stuff. And these kids, as young as ten years old, are very quickly susceptible to recruitment into into gang life, right? You know, some somebody will offer them twenty dollars or ten dollars to go get a pack of cigarettes, or to call them or text them if they see. La Hura around the corner or something, you know? And, and uh, that's how quickly you, you, you get sucked in because you can't earn. That's not what your dad earned. You're, you're, it takes your dad a whole week to earn that. And you just got it in a setting. So, you know, to try to, to cut that off and, and try to help the kids. Give other well. options. Provide yeah. other options. Yeah. Other outlets. Yeah. And just keep them entertained. And, and especially during during break, we, we talk to the teachers and ask, you know, what 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 do the kids normally do throughout those vacaciones? Because over there, you don't go to summer break like we think of it here from June to August. It's uh, Christmas vacation, right? From November to I think January. And they don't know. They don't know where the kids do, where they go. Oftentimes, the, the young girls, you know, will, will show up pregnant as young as 14. And that's a whole nother story that, in you know, and that's a whole other avenue that that this hopefully this program can help um, young women like that as well. You know, because it's it's a unisex program. Yeah, right? especially to, to be a young woman, a young pregnant woman in El Salvador right now is is one of the most dangerous things that that you could be right now, um, and it's it's a huge uh, issue that hypersensitive issue in that country because it's very hyper conservative. And um, you don't want to have the white savior complex, but the bocho version or, or whatever you want, or for lack of a better term, you know, like, oh, you fucking American citizen. Oh, like, you got to come back. You think you're going to change exactly, everything? Yeah. Exactly. Right? Ni de aquí, ni de allá, right? You're not from over there, but you ain't from here either. It's me. true. <laughs> it's true. It's, um, yeah. Man, that shit is real. So, um, yeah, man. It was... It was uh, it was just born from 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 being having those experiences and, and visually seeing this growing up and just wanting to have a positive impact on the kids down there. Okay, so how can how can one get involved? 
Um, so and, and what do you need? Right now, I need a team. I need a team here because I already have a team down there. I have a really good team. I have an administrator, a team of of cousins, right? Everybody got a team of cousins. Well, mm-hmm. I'm putting them, organizing them to to work, you know, and 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 make Making them do shit, right? To to take ownership of this of this project because it's for their own benefit, for their kids, for their siblings, for the community's benefit. I'll help, but like I I I'm helping organize them, and they're doing a fantastic job. We have a really good coach, uh, Fito Diaz Caceres is a local soccer legend, right? So let's talk about Fito. I showed it's like up. like a De La Cruz. Yes. From, from Coco. Yes. Nah, because he turns out, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ruin it. No, don't, 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 ruin it. don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, so Fito, um, I, get, I get to El Salvador with a duffel bag full of soccer supplies that was donated from my soccer coach at SC, right? This Brazilian soccer coach. He said, here, take this with you. Take it to the kids. And that was my first time going. Go to the school. Talk to the school. Fast forward to where we had the moment that we recorded with the video and the, and the, and the new soccer equipment and all that. Um, but I needed a coach. I was like, okay, this is that. I had, gotten, I had reached that goal. I had raised money and showed up with a duffel bag full of soccer equipment and dropped it off. That was like the first, you know, kind of goal. But then I was like, okay, no, we this, need shit people to do shit. Yeah, like I was like, this could, this has potential, right? There, this has potential to, to be bigger. So, on the fly, just kind of like going with it at, 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 at full speed, and I was like, I need a coach. Repeatedly, everybody around me is like, you got to talk to Fito. You got to talk to Fito. Go see Fito. He comes from work around eight thirty. You can go see Fito. Um, Fito don't know I'm coming. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know. I'm, we're not cousins. Me and Fito are not cousins. We're not related, uh, and. You know, it's, it's in El Salvador in the dark-ass countryside. We out there, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. My mom's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's like 9, nine o'clock. Just walk down, walk down these dark uh, freaking chuchos growling at you. You got bums freaking saying what's up, whatever. And um, we get to Fito's pad, and you know that that's the right place because you walk in, and there's just pictures and trophies all around, right? And he's sitting there in the dark watching TV and he's watching a soccer game in like a, I think a Barcelona jersey or a Madrid jersey. I don't want to get it wrong. But um, that was a Manchester United jersey. That's what it was. But he's sitting there watching, watching soccer and I'm just like, you know, broke down the project, the, abil- the, the, the ability to bring equipment here and, and I needed a coach. And he said, let me think about it. Uh, we, he's like, well, I'll go over to your pad and we'll see what you brought. Let's see if, if you're really about it, you know? Oh, he was testing you. Yeah, bro. He didn't say yeah. He didn't say yeah. I'm telling you, this guy had... He, he, he knows what's, It's not the first so, time somebody's reached So the reason him. he had all those trophies and all those... He played Division One soccer uh, in El Salvador and, and I think in, in other countries as well. We'll do a whole profile on, on Fito in the coming future because um, he's, he's, he's really helped us out, you know? And, and uh, he's from that community. And he said, you know, when, once he got to my place, he saw the cleats, he saw the, ball, the soccer balls, the, the, the shin guards, the... Uh, everything that we had taken, he was like, okay. He's like, you know, I, I've been wanting to do this for a really long time. And now somebody has taken the effort to just do this. He's like, I, I see that you're not full of it and you can count on me to be the coach. And that's when I, like, I was like, oh man, like that's another milestone. You know, that's another one up right there. Cause now we have a coach and, and not only a coach, but somebody highly respected in the community for soccer. And more people are going to be like, yeah, I'll help you out. You know, his former teammates will be like, yeah, I'll come coach with you. Actually, I have my kid that could come and play, be part of the, this academy. Um, and they're starting to come together. So the, the adults are being impacted by this project because they're starting to show up to their kids' practice. 
we haven't even had a, a, a real tournament yet or a game where the whole soccer parent aspect comes in that hopefully doesn't turn into the American version. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's Pito. Uh, my cousin Oscar, my cousin Toto, uh, Hector, um, are, the, are the assistant coaches slash administrators. And their lovely wives are also the administrators and help with preparation because we, we give the kids... Um, you know, not just water. We give them a snack or something, a food or, or some, a lights of refreshments and things like that at every practice. Um, and they're they're really excited, man. They're really excited. This 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 a week from today, I'll be at LAX with all my checked baggage is going to be soccer equipment and just my backpacks going to be like my own clothes because it's go time. Yeah. Good luck, man. Yeah, dude. I think you got something. Yeah, yeah. I wish you the best. <laughs> All right. Where can we find you? You can find the page on GoFundMe.com slash Youth Soccer in Los Amates ES. Or you can follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I'll go ahead and give you the, the link so that you can I'll post, it, I'll post, share them, it. post them up. All right. Cool. Thanks so much. Cheers. guys thank you so much for tuning in and for being part of this hashtag support brown podcast hashtag support poc podcast movement really appreciate your support you know this is the most important part of the show this is where i ask you for a huge favor i ask you to share this episode and go on the apple podcast app or the google play music or stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and you rate us uh, five stars and you give us a review uh, and let us know because that's what keeps us coming back and if you want to get in touch with us, feel free to write us at pocktalkpod at gmail.com. Our website is pocktalkpod.com. And you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at pocktalk and on Twitter at pocktalk1. And we'll catch you next time on Pock Talk. Pock Talk.